This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Husker Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. We're back with another episode of the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, alongside Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cootie, and hey, it wasn't necessarily pretty, but we have another win to break down here on the podcast, a 17-9 win. Nebraska takes care of business over Northwestern. Defense played great. Offense not so pretty at times, but hey, it's another win, finding ways to win, and now they've won four of their last five. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, and I think we've hit a milestone here on the podcast. First back-to-back conference wins. I yes. Think, I think yes. this is a milestone for the sideline slice, <laughs> and it's three years of doing podcasts on Monday, Tuesday mornings is back-to-back conference wins, and that's kind of a theme that we're starting to see is we're coming over obstacles and barriers that have been in our way for the last three, four or five years, right? How many times have we said, well, we win one and then we falter another one in a game that we should win, right? And everyone thought Nebraska should win this game. And there was plenty of opportunities in this game for the Huskers to find a way to lose. And they continue to come out and battle and continue to fight. And yes, we have to get some clean, things cleaned up offensively because we will play better teams than that Northwestern football team. And they will find ways to take advantage of our mistakes that we made, especially early on in the first quarter. But overall, very happy with the fact that this team come out, find a way to win, played great defense yet again. I was texting back and forth with Jake Butt, the Big Ten color commentator, and we were just talking about it. And he was like, man, I have so much respect for Tony White and what he's done with that defense, and especially that defensive line. And so very excited for these guys going in the right direction. Another big week because as you learn about how to handle winning, each game becomes that much more important. Which we're going to dive into the defensive line, but I I did want to ask you about this because I'm sure you've been on the opposite side of this where, you know, when you're sitting over there and thinking, oh, we've got to score every time. I certainly covered teams at OU that it was the defense wasn't getting any stops and the offense just had to have this mentality of we're just gonna have to score every time we have the football but you know being on the sideline and seeing the demeanor and the confidence of the defense I mean and I did a report on this if you didn't know what was going on in the game even when the offense was having struggles you wouldn't have known if you just were watching the defensive huddles so can you take me through that mindset what it's like when hey you cannot you, you literally cannot worry about what's going on, but it seems like they're just totally buying into that. It's it's about our jobs and what we're doing, and we can't worry about anything else other than going out there and doing what we do. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of equivalent this team a little bit to my time in the NFL with the Vikings in 2016 and 2017. We had, like, the number one and the number two defense in the entire league at that time with the Vikings, and our offense was middle of the pack, if not bottom third. We weren't very good, and... You know, being on the offensive side, it's really frustrating when you feel like you can't play complimentary football to a defense that is great, right? Not just good, but great. And Nebraska is getting to that point where, I mean, they're ranked nationally. They're shutting teams down. They're playing unbelievable football. And so from the offensive side, you're just struggling mentally because you're like, man, I just want to hang 17 or 18 and get up by two or three scores on this team and just let this defense pin their ears back and go because we know they can get there, you know, but from the defensive side you have to take this approach that you can't get frustrated with the offense because i think that's the hardest thing when you're playing really good defense right you feel it as much as the offense does if you're just like come on guys just just give us a 10 point or a 14 point lead here and we'll go put our put the knife right into these dudes but when that doesn't happen it can really frustrate a defense as a whole 
where they start being like, okay, here we go again. Got to go back out there. Can't let them score. But what you, from what I've seen and from listening to you on the call and listening to some of the guys around the program, this defense wears it like a badge of honor. Yeah. Right. They, they mm-hmm. wear it as like they know that they are the front runner of this football team. They know they are the leading side of this football team. And they wear it as a badge of honor of like, sweet, if we have to make them only score nine, then that's what we're going to do. But yes, our goal is to make them score zero. And that's every defense's goal, obviously. But they know that if they don't hold a team down, we aren't going to win. And I love that they've stepped up to that challenge and they've stepped up to the bar and said, here's the bar offense. We got your back. We're going to shut them down. Just give us, I don't care if you score 11 and they score 10, just score one more point than they do. And we got this. And I love that complimentary football that's going back and forth with them right now. And the way that Tony white has this defense playing, I mean, he's going to be sad. I hate even saying it, but I feel like he's going to be a head coach candidate for a lot of teams coming up next year. Yeah, he's just and he's so how he handles himself in every aspect of this coaching business. That to me is it's it's not only about what you're doing as a coordinator, but also how you handle yourself outside of it. I mean, that is uh, that's what's scary about it and, and sad about it is he's definitely probably going to get an opportunity at some point. But that's kind of part of the business, though, right? And and you want to have a defense that's playing this well that you have coaches that you might lose, I guess, at, at some point. But I, I really wanted to dive into Terrence Knighton and the job he's done with the defensive line. I mean, I, I've said it over and over again. It's my favorite huddle to listen into, to watch. They are loose. They're having fun. And it's, you know, we had talked a lot about that maybe being a concern. Like, are they going to have enough depth and bodies there but we're continuing to see every week new guys run out there as a part of the rotation i mean james williams a former walk-on gets a sack last week and and riley van poppel has been a big part and it's just every week it seems like they grow in depth and they keep having guys run out there make plays and they are just it's they're flying around they're making they're they're playing with so much confidence and they are loose and to see just how they react with interact with with terrence knighton on the sideline i mean it is it's been fun to watch but when when you talk about development of guys on the defensive line on the front especially what what do you think's gone into that that he's been able to continue to bring guys along throughout a season as well yeah i mean i think back to our podcast in august and we were like the number the two position groups that were most question marks about right and it was the defensive line and the and the d and the wide receivers well one has been warranted still a lot of question marks on the wide receivers but you talk about this defensive line and you knew you had a couple guys in there with nash and ty right that's kind of where you're like okay the building blocks start there but after that was just a ton of question marks and time and time again you're seeing players come in right i think about the second game of the year kim lenhart right freshman how is he gonna do a couple sacks against Colorado. Oh, fantastic. Elijah Judy comes in there. Oh, what's he going to do? Disruptive, right? Okay, Van Poppel. Fantastic. He's giving meaningful snaps, giving Nash a break. We need to let that guy get a break. And then you just say time and time again, I was expecting this drop-off from Nash and Ty to this other group just because they were young and unproven. But there is no drop-off. They, they are playing at such a great level, and that is hats off to Terrence Knighton with not just getting these guys physically prepared, but with this defense, that's Tony White, which is just chaos and slants and movement and everything. But you still have to be very assignment sound. He has them so mentally locked into the game plan that they're play, able to play fast and free. And we're seeing some of their natural athletic ability be able to come out there and take over games with beating guys and being stronger and faster. And it's just been such a bright spot to see because we need it, right? This is a this is a league in the Big Ten that if you don't have D linemen that can disrupt and hold up on those double teams and let linebackers through, 
there's going to be running lanes all over the place. We see it week in and week out. And it's just been so fun to watch and really encouraging for the future. You know, that's one thing that I've been watching this year going, okay, first year in rule system, what are some things that I'm looking at that two, three down, two, three years down the road, I'm gonna go, man, I remember back to that 2023 season when that kid was a freshman and now looking at him out here getting preseason all Big Ten or being an all Big Ten player, maybe an all-American player, those type of things are what this future of this defensive line room can look like. And that goes a lot of credit to Terrence Knight and this defensive staff for just how they prepare guys, how they develop guys, and how they just want to get guys in there that can help us win football games. What are you seeing out of Jamari Butler? You know, I, I talked to him after the game, and, and he mentioned how, you know, this is the most playing time I've ever gotten. I've just gotten the opportunities. But it's almost like a light bulb has gone off. What is that like when that happens for a player that, hey, you're finally getting out there, you're getting a feel for it, you're confident, and it's just this, it's slowing down, the preparation is paying off, and it, it just seems like that is really what's gone into to what we've seen from Jamari. But he's also been just a problem out there. Yeah, you know, Greg and I were talking about it on the call in Illinois. We're like, man, Husker Nation has been waiting for this guy to figure it out. Right, we've been waiting. We we see the athletic ability. We see the ability that he can do to disrupt and get all over the field and and make guys miss with uh, pass rush. And for him, I think him having the injury that he had because he missed some time early on, it really allowed him to get into the playbook and understand the X's and O's of it. So that when he got himself back out onto the field, I do think the game slowed down for him. And that's when the light bulb comes off as a player. When you're out there and things are not moving at Mach ten. Right, you're kind of, you're not all over the place. You're seeing things happen in real time in front of you, and you're actually able to identify maybe some stuff pre-snap, or you're able to identify things much quicker, whether it's pass, run, double team, inside zone block, whatever, and then identify how you want to beat that. And that's what I'm seeing from Jamari Butler is he's identifying things much faster in front of him, which is allowing him to use that natural athletic ability to get around guys or to use that pass rush. I mean, he's been lining up over the guards and just taking them to town. Inside move, outside move, speed rush. And, you know, if he can just continue to develop that that trick and that those bags of tricks that he can put in the pass rush game, he's going to be a problem on that interior. And, you know, he's a guy that we're going to need down the stretch to be able to step off the ball, step on the ball, do all kinds of different things. And he's going to be a guy that I hope this year at the end and even going into next year or however many years he has left, that when you say Jamari Butler, you put a star around him and say game wrecker, right? Game wrecker. We have to know where number 10 is all the time or else he's going to find a way to wreck this game for us. And I think that is the future of him as a player. Valentino's, a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else. What started with a treasured family recipe in Lincoln, Nebraska, has become a classic Italian tradition for 65 years. All right, let's flip things over to the offensive side and the offensive line in, in particular. Coach Roll gave them a lot of credit uh, in his post game right after the game and uh, in his post game presser, how many guys had to shuffle around and, and what they were all dealing with. How tough is that in game, but then also now in season to deal with probably Ethan Piper being done, Turner Corcoran left the game at the end of the game, and just having to shuffle guys around. I mean, how, how much of a challenge is that? And uh, what are you looking at, looking for out of those guys moving forward? Yeah, uh, first of all, all those guys need to just live in the training room for the next six weeks. Like, just 
you do your homework in there, eat your lunch in there, do whatever you have to do. Drive Drew nuts, the head trainer. Drive him nuts, right? I want I want you in there. Just what can I do? How can I get better? How can I get the swelling out? What do I need to do to get back on the field? And I have a feeling that that injury from Piper looks pretty rough. And I'd be I'd be surprised if he comes back this week. But you know, that's part of football, and it's the worst part of football is injuries. And fortunately, as terrible as it is, as heartless as sometimes it is to say, well, next man up. And that's just the, the way it goes. And we talk about the Big Ten being a physical conference. It's a war of attrition. It's a complete war of attrition. Who can get to the end of the year the healthiest and have the best chance to win? And when you lose your tackle and a guard and guys are shuffling around, Evan Jenkins goes from guard to center and then Teddy has to come back out there and then Henry has to come out there. And they all did a great job of being on the same page. You know, that's the thing that really can throw an entire offense off is when you have new guys in there and the communication is bad. And luckily we were at home, so we were able to get everything communicated. But I didn't see a lot of free runners. I didn't see a lot of missed assignments. And, yeah, there's some stuff technically all those guys have to get cleaned up to be expected when a two comes in. But from what I really what I really loved was just the fact that everyone was on the same page. If we're one wrong, we're all wrong. And just able to communicate and make sure. Because if you can just communicate, everything's going to be okay because like I said one wrong we're all wrong the back can make you right the quarterback can make you right but as long as all five guys are on the same page they'll give themselves a chance to win speaking of injuries too um Billy Billy Kemp also went down with a knee he not sure how bad that is he might be able to return at some point but uh, you know I was telling the guys this in in the break at one point when you're looking at you know the huddles when the guys come off and they're sitting on the bench it was Alex Bullock and three freshman wide receivers you know so again that room continues to be hit and uh, a, a big blow there. But how, how good was it to see Malachi Coleman, though, have that big touchdown? How much can that lift and provide some confidence to those three young wide receivers, but also to an entire offense? Yeah, those guys are going to have to step up in an absolute huge way. And I was so excited for Malachi Coleman. You know, what's funny, and I actually tweeted this out, we used to run that play a ton <laughs> when I played here. Right, it was called Purple Eighty Four. You fake speed option to the right, you drop back, and you throw the you throw the post. I mean, Kenny Bell and Quincy Anunwa had touchdown after touchdown on that play, and I even text our old offensive line chat, and I was like, "I was Purple Eighty Four, and they're like, "Yep, sure was." <laughs> right, so I mean, it's great to see some of that creeping back into this offense, and I think I even saw some that said like Rule pointed up to Osborne, and that's a that's a great play to have when you have a receiver that can just run past the DB and you actually see when you watch the tape, the corner gets caught with his eyes in the backfield and Malachi takes off and just runs away from the safety. I mean, the safety's at full speed and you see him just still creating separation. So you got to see a glimpse of the kind of speed that he can have, but yeah, that wide receiver group continues to just get cut off at the knees. And it's unfortunate because you think you go into the, into the, into the year with Washington and Kemp, two guys, you're going to like, okay, we can build on these guys. You lose Washington for majority of the year. Then he comes back, gets hurt again, out for the year. Now Kemp's going to get dinged up right after the um, coach rule and sat say we're going to get him more involved. And so we're just trying to keep finding ways to get these young freshmen involved. And, I mean, Ty Hans and other guys going to have to step up in a big way. And, you know, you saw Harbor continue to go back to Fedoni, too. He's going to be another guy that's going to have to help shoulder the load in the passing game. So tough to see, but really excited for, again, the future. Right, We talk about the future, and I know we want to win now, and there's no doubt that we're going to continue to try to win now. But when you play freshmen like this, you're going to take your lumps. It's just, it's just part of the business. You're going to take your lumps because they are freshmen. But two, three years down the road, it's going to pay huge dividends for this offense. How about Malachi coming over after? I mean, everybody was so happy for him. It was really cool to see the celebration. 
But he made sure to come over, shook every guy on the offensive line, their hands, and said, hey, appreciate you guys. You gave me time to get open. Appreciate you guys. I mean, he went one by one down that line and, and gave them props. I know you love that. Oh, absolutely. You got, you, got to, you got to remember the guys that get you there, right? You got to help the guys there. And never forget that, Malachi Coleman. Never forget, because a lot of times receivers start that way. And I'm not going to name names, Stephon Diggs. But a lot of receivers start that way and then end up forgetting about us. So don't forget about us, Malachi. Never forget about the big uglies. Well, let's let's. Uh, well, first of all, let's hand out some game balls. Who are you giving your game balls to? Offense, well, defense. Yeah, offense is going to go. It's going to go to Malachi Coleman for just his first touchdown. You know, yeah. you always remember that. You never forget that. I'm glad he got it at home in front of the student section. Right, that's one that he will never forget for the rest of his life. And I hope that gives him a lot of confidence moving forward of what he can do for this passing attack for the Huskers. On defense, I got to give it to Nash. I got to give it to Nash. I mean, that dude was an absolute wrecking ball. And I know Northwestern Center is not good he's not awesome but nash knew that and they found ways and again hats off to tony white of scheming up your best player against one of their not as best players up front and finding ways to get one-on-one matchups i mean he was effective in the run game in the pass game he was just all over the field so hats off to nash again and let's talk running backs too because it was emmett johnson that got the start and when i was watching those pregame snaps uh, josh fleeks got the two and then um, it was Anthony Grant that got the three, the third team snaps or the third snaps. And so uh, when and then we saw all of them play and, and Anthony Grant ended up coming in. But uh, what what's your take on that? The running backs and what you saw to Emmett Johnson in his first start and, and how we might see that continue to develop. Yeah, you know, I thought all three guys did a nice job when they got their opportunities. I will say this it is very apparent when 23 has the ball in his hands. Everyone on the defense is stripping at that ball. Like everyone knows that he's had fumble issues. It's not, it's not a secret. It's talked about in the media a ton. You know, I've been part of meetings when you say, Hey, this guy's got fumble issue and everyone on the antenna and the defense goes up like, yep. Okay. Time to go after the ball. Right. So you're seeing guys more when he has the ball stripping at that ball, trying to punch it out, you know? So that's just something that comes with the territory, but I thought fleeks did a nice job. I thought he did some good stuff. Got to see his speed. He's going to be more of a guy that's going to be more of an edge runner. You know, I don't think he quite understands the power of just hammering it up in there. You see him stutter his feet a little bit. But I'm really excited about what Emma Johnson can be um, moving forward. You know, he shows those quick flashes, his ability to accelerate, you know, one jump cut and go and create two or three yards of separation there. I thought all three backs did a nice job, and we're going to need all three. You know, yeah. I think regardless of who's one, two, or three on the depth chart, you're all going to get carries. You're all going to get meaningful snaps because of where we're at on the receiving end. You know, all three of those guys is going to be a running back by committee, and we're going to need all three of them to have great ball security and really just understanding their assignment and trusting the offensive line when to put their head down and just try and go get three and four on first and second down so we don't put ourselves in third and long. So what what kind of steps, improvements are you looking for out of the offense at this point? I mean, there's five games left. I think we we, we kind of know what it is, what they're trying to do but still having some turnover issues and, you know, having some trouble getting it going at times. But with the defense playing as well as you are, you don't have to, and, and we've said that from the start, you don't have to hang up 65 points every game. But where are you maybe hoping to see this offense take a step? Where can they be better at least just to help manage the game and not give it away? I mean, ball security, obviously, you know, that's, that's the number one thing we're always going to talk about is, 
you know, you can't come out and throw an interception on the first play of the game. Yeah. You, know, you, you just you can't do those things, you know, because not only is it putting your defense in a bad spot, it's giving a team like Northwestern life, right? It's giving them life, especially early in the game. So obviously number one is just continuing to clean up the ball security issues. Um, the pre-snap penalties as well, you know, got to keep going off, uh, off at those. And one thing to keep an eye on as we go forward is the substitutions and the personnel groupings. We just talked about it. Three young wide receivers that are freshmen. There's going to be some miscommunications of, hey, is this 11 with me in it? Is this 10 personnel, 12 personnel, whatever? Like the personnel substitutions are going to have to really be important. But I still want to see this team start faster, right? I want to see them start faster and go and put pressure on the opposing offense with this defense that we have by scoring early in the first quarter and the third quarter. You know, I know Rule harps a lot on owning the fourth quarter, but for me, it's just such a big thing to earn the right to earn own the fourth quarter with what you do in the first and second quarter. So I'd love to see this team just continuing to make the most out of their opportunities in the first quarter and finding ways to score points. So we've heard coaches talk about how it, the, the turnovers have not been that big of an issue in practice. So what, what can cause that when you go from maybe not doing it as much in practice to maybe having more issues in game? Yeah. The biggest thing is just with reps, right? You mm -hmm. can't go live in practice. You can't, you can't just continue to let your running backs and your quarterbacks and receivers get tackled four days a week, right? It's just not good for the longevity of your football team. So you just have to continue to get reps in games and try to simulate it the best you can in practice of over-exaggerating ball security, right? When I say that, like, you know, everyone says high and tight, right? High and tight. So understanding, A, in practice, I know I'm not going to get tackled to the ground, but I need to simulate it in my mind and take mental reps of, hey, two hands through contact or... If I catch a ball, tucking it away right away and at the end of the play, understanding, hey, I'm walking back to the huddle with the ball in my hands or I'm never going to let the defense rip this ball out. You know, it becomes more mental than anything. And then that carries over to the game because when you're getting hit and there's live bullets, you're thinking about a lot more, right? Hey, I'm going to get hit here. I'm going to get smoked. What's my first thought? How am I going to hit the ground or how am I going to control the ball on the way down? Right. We have to just continue to get better and better with that. And that's just going to come with reps in game reps as you get older. Right. All those things, because the physicality is just so different for these young players going from high school to the Big Ten. All right. Let's talk Purdue. Purdue's been a team that's been hard to figure out, obviously, with your picks. You've gone. You picked them. You haven't picked them. They've won. They haven't won. And a new coaching staff and, and all of that. They've had some big wins. They beat Illinois pretty handily. Then they kept it close with Iowa, then got really beat really badly, 41-7 to their last time out against Ohio State, uh, which, by the way, they're also coming off a bye. Um, but at this point, how much is it, you know, hey, Nebraska, we're going to do what, what we do and, and try to be better at what we do than even talking about what Purdue does? Yeah, we're not at a point where we can start saying we got to figure out a way to beat Purdue. No, we just have to figure out a way to be ourselves. Right. And we've proven it now four out of the last five games. If we can take care of ourselves, the rest will come, you know. And so it's not as much this week about what Purdue does. And, you know, they've had two weeks to study the bye, just like Northwestern had two weeks to study Nebraska. So they're going to think that they have a beat on this defense and what they can do to attack it. And they might. Right. They might. They might be able to initially be able to weather the storm. But I do think with what Nebraska has been doing offensively, we need to control the clock, keep the ball out of their offense's hands, and then create turnovers again on defense to give ourselves short field. 
you know, produce a good football team, maybe, I don't know, probably. It's hard to say. You know, they just, they're so up and down. They're kind of like us. They're just kind of on a roller coaster this year a little bit. But, you know, historically, they've come in here and been able to kind of throw the ball over the yard the last few years. That's been kind of their MO. So I'll be curious to see the short passing game that Purdue wants to come out with um, when they come here next week. But, you know, I'm really excited to see what Tony White has dialed up for this offense. When you start in a football locker room, especially this team in particular, start finding some success. And again, maybe it's not always playing your absolute best football, but when you start finding some success and you've won back-to-back games, um, how does that start to change the feeling of a locker room? It's momentum. Mm-hmm. It, it changes everything because it's momentum. And now you're not going back to the drawing board every single week going, well, we lost again. What do we have to change? Right? It's like, no, we won again. So what we did worked. Now, what can we do to give you even better? Right. And that's such a better place to make corrections from. It's such a better place to go out to practice every week. And I'm sure you can feel it just being around the building. Yeah. Everyone's just generally happier when you're winning football games, right? Losing football games is miserable. And you feel it from the janitorial staff to the head coach, right? And everyone in between. It's just not a fun environment to be around when you're losing constantly. When you start winning football games, people are excited. Right? People are excited. You're around the building. There's enthusiasm. There's momentum. There's excitement. And that carries over into everything from practice to the film room to meeting rooms to uh, the game. Right, And so there's just this overall feeling of excitement of walking into a game going, we're going to win instead of, man, I don't know if we're going to win, but we're going to try really hard. Right, There's a belief factor that comes into this. And seeing Coach Rule in the football locker room after that win, you're seeing the belief start to get into this football team that they know with the group of guys that they have for the 2023 season, they can go win football games. And it's not just the football team that you can feel some momentum. I mean, big win over Wisconsin for volleyball. And then how about Emma's program, the soccer team, winning a a chair of the Big Ten title? What a weekend for Husker sports. We have, Husker Nation, we deserved that. We we have (laughs) been through, we have been through a lot. And this is going to go down as a top five Husker Husker athletic weekend in the last decade if you ask me you know I was glued into the volleyball game just as much as I was glued into the football games on Saturday night you know I had the tv up I had multiple tvs up because it's Saturday and I love Saturdays and I was just glued into that going come on girls one more come on one more you know and just so excited for them and that program and John Cook is the absolute goat I mean John Cook I can't say enough great things I loved him when I was in school I love seeing him and running into him and he is just one of the greatest coaches of all time it had to make Emma proud to have her as an alum to see what the soccer team did yesterday. Yeah, on the 10-year 10 10 year anniversary of when they won it. You know, they won the Big Ten back in 2013, so let's hope they can go into the tournament now and repeat. All right, well, uh, let's get some keys, three biggest keys for Purdue to get a win over Purdue. Number one, as always, take care of the football. You know, that's going <laughs> to be the number one rule going into this. Take care of the football, right? And then uh, special teams, Tristan Alvano, you know, he made some kicks. Um, he's got to continue to be a point scorer for us. We talk about we have a struggling offense. You know, anytime we get in the red zone and have an opportunity to put three on the board, we got to hammer it through the uprights. So big, uh, big, big on him again this week. And then defensively, just keep doing what we're doing. You know, I, I don't even really have a key besides just stay the course, stay the path, trust the system, understand the scheme, and just keep executing at an absolute high level. And we'll give our chance to win a lot of football games down the stretch here. All right. Well, oh, I guess players to watch. That was the one thing I forgot. Players to watch. Ooh, players to watch. Well, I think offensively, it's going to be some of the offensive linemen. Who's in there? Yeah. Right? Who who comes in for Piper? Is Ben Scott, Turner? Who's going to be in there? Who's not? So really watching kind of what that line looks like as we walk out there next week. 
and just understanding how do they communicate, how are they continuing to be able to go out there and execute at high level. So that's going to be all eyes. Obviously, I'll be watching that like a hawk um, next week. And then on defense, you know, Gifford has started to really come into his own. Yeah. And he's a guy that's been a playmaker with um, the absence of Singleton. And I think that he's a guy that's elevated his game a lot in the back end there, both in the past uh, past defense as well as run support. So excited to just continue to watch him as how he's developed as a player and becomes a difference maker for this defense. How about his brother Luke was on the sideline this weekend wearing a number two jersey? That was awesome. Yeah, I love Luke. You know, Luke's a guy that, he earned everything when he was here. He's earned everything in the NFL, being an undrafted guy, making a name for himself. You know, the Gifford, the Gifford ties of this university run deep. Well, hey, by the way, we were wrong. You said we haven't talked about back-to-back -back conference wins. We did last year. We had a couple wins against Indiana and Rutgers, back-to-back -back oh, wins. Right. But what we have not done is win three in a row and have three wins to talk about. So how about we do that for next yes. week? Yes, yes, let's do that. And again, one more win before we can start talking about the West. I don't I've had a lot of people, a lot of people come up to me and be like, hey, I think I think we can win the West. And I'm like, Shh, <laughs> don't even talk about it. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We win one more, then we can start having the discussion. Even though the West is an absolute dumpster fire right now. One more win and we can start having the conversation about the Huskers in the West. All right. I love it. Well, good stuff as always. For Jeremiah Searles and Jessica Cootie, this has been the Sideline Slice presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Thanks for listening. Go big.